Genesis Foundation was founded by John Studzinski in 2001. Over the past 20 years, the Foundation has donated more than £20 million to the arts, including £1 million for the Genesis Kickstart Fund for freelance artists. Through its funding and partnership model, it has enabled opportunities for thousands of young artists in theatre and music, building both their experience and their resilience. The Foundation's main focus is on partnerships with leading arts organisations such as the National Theatre, Young Vic, Almeida Theatre and The Sixteen, and on training programmes that equip emerging artists for life as a creative professional. The Genesis Almeida New Playwrights Big Plays programme is an annual initiative that supports emerging and mid-career writers to develop new plays for larger stages, giving them the space and time to experiment with form and scale. Each writer on the programme is commissioned to develop one new play and is given dramaturgical support from the Almeida's literary manager and artistic team. During the year, the writers attend 12 masterclasses led by established British and international playwrights, directors, designers and other creatives and are given a five-day R&D workshop to develop their commission. In this episode of Artistic Minds, the Almeida's literary manager, Stephanie Bain, talks to three young playwrights from the programme's first cohort, Iman Qureshi, Amy Ung and Sami Ibrahim. Hi everyone. <laughs> I'm here with three fantastic writers from the first cohort of the Genesis Almeida New Writers Big Plays programme, which is aimed at supporting exciting UK-based playwrights to develop plays from sort of smaller scale studio spaces to larger plays that will sustain audiences on, on bigger stages. So I wondered, do you want to introduce yourselves first and maybe you could talk a little bit about your journey as a writer from maybe first starting to write to, to joining the Almeida Writers Programme and what that sort of journey was it'd be really interesting to hear because I know you you've all had kind of different paths I'm Iman I'm a writer um I started writing years ago like I don't know 15 years ago maybe and then did the sort of wrote a play sent it out to places and ended up getting on a sort of early stage developing writers program with Carly Theatre who then went on to produce that play and then I did a couple more writers' groups, so Tamasha Theatre, Soho Writers' Group, wrote another full-length play. And then with the stroke of luck, <laughs> I think, I ended up winning the Papatango Prize with my play The Funeral Director. And that, that kind of opened a lot of doors for me. I, yeah, I'm now a writer full-time, uh, which is <laughs> much lonelier and sadder <laughs> than it sounds. But yeah, and that's how I ended up on the Genesis scheme as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, because as part of the Genesis programme, the sort of research part was reading. I think I must have read over 100 plays and, and gone to see a lot of shows. And I did go and see the funeral director at the Southwark Playhouse. And I thought there was such a sort of well-observed, authentic feeling piece of writing um, and was really excited to meet you. And that's definitely that was the kind of introduction um, between me and Iman uh, and sort of wanting to bring you onto the programme. Uh, and Amy, do you want to talk a little bit about how you came to the Genesis programme and, and your journey as a writer? I'm originally from Hong Kong. Um, I think I've always written, but I didn't actually think it was like a career path. I didn't think it was a viable career because I didn't know anybody else who was a professional writer. And so I 
trained as a historian and so I was an academic that I got pregnant and went on maternity leave and then I sent in my first play to the Royal Court and I got on one of their writers groups and it kind of snowballed from there like I met Indurubha Singham through that a program and she helped me with my first produced play Shangri-La that went on at the Finborough Theatre and then I think I had the good luck of writing two plays simultaneously. So when that generated quite a lot of interest, I was able to send out my second play, Acceptance, to venues that asked. So that went on at Hampstead and that did open a lot of doors. And so I'm now a full-time writer, like Iman. I'm actually, like, I'm, I'm an introvert. So like, I, I just actually really love being by myself writing most of the time, but I, also can't imagine being a novelist because I really like that collaborative aspect too so like you know after the hermit like thing of writing a first draft then I really love the input of like really brilliant creatives and I really feed off that energy and it really spurs me on for the second draft so yeah so I'm I'm really glad to be a playwright and not a historian and not teaching great yeah and I think um I was trying to think about when I first encountered your writing Amy and I think it was that I went to a workshop reading of Thatcher in China, which is the play that you're developing at the moment with the National Theatre, um, and sort of thought it was really bold and witty and um, and like a really great take on British-Chinese sort of relations and politics and had a great sort of Margaret Thatcher <laughs> character. <laughs> and Sammy, do you want to introduce yourself and talk a bit about um, that your journey as a writer? I think I kind of came to writing a bit late kind of in my early 20s I started writing kind of properly and kind of got interested in theatre and directing theatre and then kind of got a bit cocky and started writing theatre and I kind of got lucky and the first thing I wrote kind of ended up being put on like with other students at university and then from that yeah I just really loved it and kind of kept on writing and moved to London and was kind of putting on plays with friends and bit by bit doing different things and then things started clicking. I wrote a play called Two Palestinians Go Dogging, which was sort of a pandemic casualty in that it's been delayed by two years, but is about to be on. But that kind of started opening up lots of doors and felt like the first thing I'd written that, yeah, felt really me and I really loved writing. And yeah, I think that was the play that was kind of used to get onto the this scheme. And I thought it was really interesting that both Iman and Amy, you kind of touched on the loneliness or sort of what the experience of writing solitary in your room versus sort of collaborating, which you get obviously when you're in rehearsals. And obviously kind of one of the things that the Genesis programme did, as well as the masterclasses, was that it sort of creates a peer group in a way. And, you know, we've been to see shows at the theatre and we've we've seen you a lot at the Almeida and had drinks as well. And I know that you're now talking and, and building relationships with the second cohort of Almeida playwrights. And I just wanted to ask, as a writer, how useful is that having kind of a peer network and talking to other writers? Is that something that you value and... Yeah, what, what sort of do you feel like you get out of those relationships? I mean, I have to say that um, the, the Genesis cohort, you know, being seven writers, I think it's a great size, so it's not too big. And so I've been on quite a few writers' group, and this is definitely the most cohesive and most supportive group that I've been on. We have a WhatsApp group, and, you know, we... Uh, just kind of talk about anything and everything really and go to shows together I think especially during the pandemic it was really important to have you know just support of other writers 
especially I think the nature of the industry is that we are pitted against each other. You know, there are only a limited number of commissions and, you know, you kind of feel like you're in competition with everybody else. I think that if you're going only with that mindset, you can't survive as a playwright because your tribe really is other writers, you know? So I think more than with other groups, I've, I've found that it's far less competitive. People, you know, we, we go to watch each other's plays, you know, it, so it, it genuinely feels really Yeah, I definitely agree way. with all of that. And I mean, for a while, I would go sort of, you know, be interviewed on these schemes and I would see the same handful of people, particularly if you're a minority, right? You'd see the same, and it would like be a minority scheme. You'd see the same handful of people waiting outside for their interview and you'd have a chat, but you'd all kind of be eyeing each other and like, who's going to get it? <laughs> like type thing. And I would usually never get it. Um, and I remember there was one person who would always get everything above me. I was just like my theatre nemesis. But this group is so not that and that feels really precious and... I, I guess because we all got on the group, right? <laughs> but th- there's something really vulnerable about it and also supportive. So I remember in the pandemic, everyone booked to see Dippo's play, but then I had to isolate, but I watched it online and I still felt like I was part of, yeah, part of the night and that we sh- sort of shared together. And yeah, that's, and you know, I'm going to book in to see, see Sammy's play soon and hopefully we can all do that together. But yeah, I, th- I think that's really, really important and you definitely need that collegiate kind of support rather than the competitive spirit for sure because I remember it took me a while to like work through the like the jealousy of being a writer and like seeing other writers when you're kind of trying to claw your way up and like that thing of sitting outside the interview room and seeing all the other writers but this was definitely yeah definitely helped trying to make the jealousy less important in my day-to-day life and more focused on writing and we mentioned a bit sort of the the pandemic and obviously like that was something that happened halfway through our program that no one expected you know we we started the program meeting and having master classes in person and then you know something that we never expected the theatres to close and and I went on furlough and we went into lockdown and a lot of the work that we were doing as part of the program moved online and obviously over the last couple of years I've talked to a lot of writers about how they found the last two years and I know You know, some people have found it that it's been productive because it's quiet time. And I know other people have found that it's been really difficult and the sort of turbulence and anxiety that, you know, world changing events causes makes it very hard to be creative and concentrate. And I just wondered, I think it's quite interesting how you found it as a kind of creative person. Have you found it liberating? Have you found it sort of stultifying and tricky? Um, Yeah, I don't know what your experiences have been. I definitely found it very difficult because I'm the only person in this cohort that has kids and under 10 and so the, the homeschooling just and, and just kind of trying to keep their morale up just took up so much time and energy and I ended up writing at night till like 2 or 3 in the morning which you know wasn't just because of the deadlines but because it was like a necessity just to remember that I was a, a writer and I wasn't just this sad sack of a homeschooling parent <laughs> I also really missed going to live theatre. Like, even if you go to watch a play that you don't particularly like, you know, but there's always something. There's always something about the set or even the, like, post-mortem afterwards with other playwrights, which is, you know, you learn a lot. And, of course, during the pandemic, I did watch a lot of stream theatre. And, and the good thing was that, you know, I got to watch it from, like, all over the world. Um, so I watched a lot of the German stuff, watched a lot of the American stuff, but it, it just wasn't the same. All of the above in terms of, like, freeing, stultifying kind of confusing or like 
went in waves. But I, I think I was lucky in that I was I was about to work on a project for the Globe, and we were going to write it kind of in the group over the summer, kind of in person in a rehearsal room. But we sort of ended up doing it via Zoom, so it meant I kind of I was given deadlines every kind of few weeks of like test out a scene, try something out. So I sort of I think I was in a really lucky position, which I didn't quite realise at the time, but in retrospect realised that I was being forced to write. So I just kind of got in the habit of it and was in the headspace of imagining live theatre. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm writing something that will go on. And I felt like I had the backing of a theatre. So even though I can see theatre and was really missing that, I could kind of imagine it. But I could kind of picture people on a stage, whereas other writers had a more difficult time picturing that. So I think I was really lucky with deadlines and it, yeah, meant I kind of just had to write and I got in the habit of it. Yeah, I think I was in this weird position where before the pandemic, I'd taken on a couple of commissions. And so when the pandemic happened, I was like, oh, brilliant. I have loads of time now to kind of just get on with it. And actually the the opposite happened, I think, because I was at the start of all of those drafts or some of them I hadn't even started. And theatre is such long-term gratification. Like you have to wait so long to see the payoff. The sort of reward of sitting all day to work is like four years in the future. And then with the pandemic, it became even longer. And I just think something about that felt like I was trying to walk up on a down escalator and that escalator just over the sort of year or the two years of the pandemic that escalator started to go down faster and faster and I just couldn't keep up I really just struggled to work yeah I I sort of ground to a halt eventually because I yeah I mean I have one play on now and that's the only play I've really managed to sort of write because it's got a, a date it's and it's got that sort of pressure of a deadline of like it's going on and yeah it's it's been a real struggle and also you need I, do, I personally need something feeding in from the outside world that I can then put into my writing I think to like sit at home alone not hearing those conversations on the bus not hanging out with your friends not meeting your friends who are like the civil servants or the doctors like not seeing those people and having that life being lived outside of you is really uncreative for me anyway um so i just really found it impossible to be honest i'm really glad things are uh, moving again obviously the kind of um idea of the genesis program was this idea it came out of a feeling that i had in british theater that there was a lot of investment into sort of smaller scale studio work there are quite a lot of opportunities there And then obviously when you get to larger spaces and and runs for sort of eight weeks long with larger casts, there's a big sense of risk involved. That's box office risk. And there's a sort of sense of needing to have a broader audience and that it was hard maybe for writers to kind of make that journey. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about sort of your experience of whether that rings true to you um, and how you sort of found transitioning from because I think you all have kind of gone through that journey a little bit of writing for sort of smaller scale work and, and now writing kind of larger scale and w- how you sort of kind of found that um, as part of your development. I, I love it, like not having to limit to like a class of four or below, because I think I tend to write quite political plays and I've always felt that constraint was terrible. And the reviews come, you know, they kind of say the same thing, you know, like this, you know, obviously has you know, more of an expansive momentum and it's a bit shoehorned, you know, with like just so few people and, you know, and, and a very limited set. So 
I mean, I guess the challenge for me is then being like, okay, so if it's an eight-week run and it has to reach, like, X number of people, you know, am I writing, like, for instance, like, my play is about Hong Kong. Are there going to be enough people that care about, you know, the city on the other side of the world to come, you know, to, like, fill eight weeks worth, you know, and it's kind of really challenged me. Like, I hate the phrase, seek the universal, because I think I think sometimes it tends to flatten out the specificity, but to look for the fundamental themes, you know, that can relate to other people. So in that sense, Squid Games was like a real inspiration. Like, I felt, oh, wow, you know, like this thing in Korean <laughs> managed to reach a worldwide audience. So yeah, so I felt less, like, I, I don't feel like I need to write a play about Brexit necessarily, you know, for like a main stage, you know, like it is possible to take something that you would think would be like a, a niche subject for a niche uh, demographic and just really touch a lot of people. Though, so, I mean, I've, I have found the kind of craft things in the workshops really helpful. Like I thought that, you know, in studio plays and small scale plays, you could have organic dialogue. You can just kind of, you know, well up from within, but then big scale plays you know, it's about organic structure. It's just writing and writing until, you know, in, in notebooks longhand, until you find an edifice that, like, supports, like, all these really big ideas that you have. And I've found that immensely helpful as a thing to think about. Yeah, I think that was Mike Bartlett workshop, maybe, where he was talking about the sort of difference between smaller scale and, and not giving any kind of value judgment to those. Because, you know, as you said, Carol Churchill writes, you know, small scale plays in many ways. But yeah, that sense of like, you can kind of sustain 90 minutes with two people with amazing dialogue and tension and conflict between the characters. And then once you write larger scale, I think his idea was that the bones of the story and the sort of blocks of the protagonist's journey need to be a bit sort of stronger and maybe kind of thought out and planned beforehand to sort of sustain the audience. And I thought that was, yeah, a really interesting way of kind of looking at the difference. Again, one writer's opinion, but but quite an interesting way of looking at it, I thought. I'm sure there was something from Lindsay Turner about she had like diagrams of theatre spaces and showed us like a studio space and one person and then like a I don't know versus like the Olivier stage and kind of the time it takes for a character to walk from the entrance to the centre of the Olivier stage is I don't know 30 something seconds and like if you're sending a character onto that stage they can't be saying oh do you want a pint of milk it's got to be a little bit more active and a bit bigger yeah I found that challenging and exciting and like trying to yeah think, thinking about the, the like the craft of that of yeah how you turn up the heat on characters so it fills that space I suppose yeah that's but that's been really yeah difficult and challenging but fun trying to kind of pick it apart yeah I, the thing that sticks out to me is that thing both I think you and you Steph and Amy referred to is about risk and like about early career writers not being able to make the transition between studio spaces and main spaces and I think the the Almeida only has one main space and so you kind of in order to get those writers onto the main stage they have to be main stage ready so I think it's obviously a really wise decision for the Almeida to do this but I have found at other theatres that have studio spaces you see I mean writers that just stuck in studio spaces that deserve bigger stages and I often see work and I'm like I just don't understand why this isn't in the main house and and writers that have been cutting their teeth in studio spaces for years and years and years 
And I, yeah, that thing about risk is so interesting because on the one hand, sure, maybe we are lesser known. Maybe we do write plays that don't immediately feel universal, even though I think that's not true. You know, I think so much of that is actually based on things like racism where you know white audience members don't feel they can relate to non-white stories in the same way but we you know non-white audiences have been relating to white stories for decades and decades and decades and we found a way to bridge that empathy gap but the same isn't returned and I and I I do think this is a relationship that has to work both ways with theatres saying they're not going to accept reluctant racist audiences attitude and instead put everything towards like marketing these writers in a way that does bring those audiences in but then also that you know my my play that's on at Soho in May has a cast of eight which is big for me it's the biggest scale I've, I've written and it's a lot harder and I totally get that thing that Amy was saying about like it isn't you can't just let characters chat for ages you've got to like get to the that you know that that structure and that sort of where is this play going and how am I juggling these journeys for eight people and actually you can't so what 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 is the journey and it is I have found it considerably harder and that takes time and investment and patience on the part of dramaturgs and directors and theatres because I need that space to grow and learn my craft that's sort of really interesting and as a sort of analysis of like where we are right now and and some of the kind of issues I think in kind of play development and um and sort of what buildings should be kind of thinking about um do you do you feel like you learn with each play sort of um to kind of take into the next one or is it is it maybe not as linear as that I can't really look at my old work once it's done it's done like I can't revisit it I I've just it's too painful and too weird um but I, I learn from, you know, other places, but not my own work. Um, I second that. I mean, it is really painful to reread your own work. But what I do learn uh, is a lot from the process, you know. So, like, every play that gets produced, you know, I learn more about, like, you know, um, how, you know, what I want from my relationship with the director, you know, like, um, how, you know, like, kind of, what value I can bring to like my presence in the rehearsal room, you know, and and like it's. I mean, I have been very frustrated in my last few plays about like how like how my influence on the set design has been like completely non-existent, and um, which is really difficult when they they were really cultural specific and and like they got like all sorts of things wrong and like the audience if there was like you know a chinese audience they just laughed because they were just such elementary mistakes and stuff like that so i think i've learned to i mean my next play i'm definitely going to be like i want to be like right at the beginning of the you know the con- like the concept meetings or the set design you know i don't want to just turn up on the first day of rehearsal and like see this thing and only see the costumes that dress rehearsal so so I, I learn a lot from things like that um also like going back to the Sasha Ware's workshop I found it really useful when she said things to look for in a director you should be very careful that they're connecting to what's central in your play and and not just something on the periphery not like one character that appears once in like scene six that they they really love you know so um like looking back on on past productions, I think I've seen that happening, but I I didn't know enough then to to be able to articulate it. 
Yeah, definitely agree with that of, I don't go back to my old place because it's horrible, but definitely the process of each set of rehearsals, you kind of learn stuff. And I feel like each development process, or as you're sharpening a script in rehearsals, you kind of realise, I don't know, something like, oh, I never realised that about what makes good dialogue, or, I don't, or something like that feels very vague, but that something will click into place. I feel like a new thing clicks into place that you kind of store for the next one. Yeah, it'd be good to hear a bit about sort of how you feel your writing is now and, and if you have any thoughts about like what you're excited about um, going forward as a writer. Um, so I'm really excited about my Genesis play because it's um, it's changed somewhat. So when I originally pitched it, there was East Southeast Asian angle and now it, it doesn't at all. It's set totally in European history. And I, I just didn't think I could write that kind of play. But now I'm, I'm like, well, there have been so many white writers that I've written about extra European cultures and things, some very well and, you know, well-researched and some less well. But I feel confident enough to do that because it's a, it's a play about kind of the genesis of what we think about abortion now and I mean I'm not just an ethnic writer I'm also a woman and a feminist like these things the abortion debate at the moment really concerns me and so I feel that the Almeida has been really supportive and not pigeonholing me into like you know oh just write something Asian and I get that is really important to write plays set in Asia because there's so few in the canon but I think it's also really important to allow your non-white writers that same creative freedom that you know their white peers have been allowed for so long and I also kind of feel like from these workshops I feel quite emboldened about structure yeah I don't have any of those inhibitions about well not just set and cast size but also maybe the strictures of naturalism and yeah things like that so just having come across so many different practitioners. Playwrights create worlds and and I, I feel like I can create this world of like a sixteenth century European thing and but I am really excited about it. Great. I think just before everyone else jumps on that question, I think that it, just that thing about creating worlds, I think was really interesting because I'm always interested in like how writers get to their idea. Like, do they start with character? Do they start with form? Do they start with like a theme that they want to explore? And I remember Beth Steele did one of the Genesis workshops and she was talking, I think, a little bit about Wonderland, which was her play a few, a few plays ago uh, that was set in a mine. And I remember that she'd said that like the initial idea was that she just thought that that was a really interesting world. Like, let's put the underground world of the mine on stage. And then it became a story about the miners' strike and thought it was interesting because I I think I hadn't heard that many people before who had gone, oh, I started with the world and just thought, oh, that's just an interesting kind of way in. So I think, yeah, just sort of echoing what you said about, I think having a lot of different inspirations can be quite helpful because you can kind of think about different ways of approaching it but yeah Iman and Sammy I'd love to hear more about kind of how you're feeling about your writing at the moment I'm so yeah. excited about this show I'm so <laughs> excited about it so I'm adapting a novel by Carmela Shamsi called Home Fire and I love the novel and I think t- to get to a point where I felt comfortable even touching it as an adaptation was really tricky because I was so like reverential of the book and th- at some point along the way I was like this isn't doing it justice this isn't doing justice and I was like 
I know, I'll do it as a musical. And I'm all, I love the kind of relationship between music and theatre and how music is used on stage. And yeah, something about that just really opened up this like world of possibilities for like a play about a, f- a family where the, the, the brother of the family goes off to join ISIS. And, you know, so it's dark material, but to use music in that. And also, you know, I've never seen a musical where there's a Muslim family at, at the heart of it. And that just felt so quietly revolutionary and exciting for me. So I'm so excited about it. And I would definitely echo what Amy said about the Almeida being super supportive, like particularly you, Steph, when I told you, I was like, you're definitely going <laughs> to kibosh this right now. But actually, you were just so open. You were like, yeah, go for it. Let's try it. And I, I just... I'm so grateful and appreciative of that opportunity. I just don't think other theatres and people out there would be so open to it. So, yeah, that's right. Re- I'm really excited no, about and I it. Think, I think, you know, and it's interesting because I, when I'd read the novel, I hadn't thought of it as a musical, I'll admit. <laughs> um, but, like, having seen, you know, some of what you've shared already, I do think, like, I think you've made such a good choice. And, you know, there's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of sort of interior feelings and sort of the ability to kind of convey that swiftly and efficiently and sort of easily through lyrics which you write really well I think yeah it's great and and as you say I think having a musical that's set in a you know British Muslim family that's dealing with citizenship that's dealing with really really contemporary issues and contemporary politics does feel very original and, and kind of new yeah and to get you know an audience that don't understand why anyone would go join a group as horrific as ISIS like music is a really good shortcut to kind of do that to get an audience to empathize with a character in the way that they perhaps hadn't before so yeah I I think yeah it feels like a really organic route for this sounds so good I'm trying to stop being jealous (laughs) Um, yes no I'm I'm really excited about mine I'm sort of annoyingly have had to delay doing my next draft because of other stuff getting in the way but yeah, I think it's in an okay... I don't know. At times I felt like quite overwhelmed by it and it's a very big and messy thing. But I'm looking forward to being able to set aside like a good chunk of time and just get into it and kind of write it. I feel like I've written it in drips and drabs and I want to have a proper amount of time just to get back to it. And I'm not quite sure what it is yet, even though it's about to be in the third draft stage. It's still this sort of weird thing. But I'm excited by the form of it and what it could be, even though... I haven't quite put my finger on what that is yet, which excites me, I guess, with my as in, in answering the question of like what I want to do with writing. It's I sort of have a rule of thumb of like if I can picture what the whole play looks like, then I probably shouldn't be writing it. And like that, it always has to be something that I can't quite figure out. If I understand what it is, then I shouldn't be writing it because it'll be too easy, and it's that's not good. So I try and land on something that I can't figure out, which is always difficult, and I always bang my head against the wall with it. But hopefully ends up paying off later and is more satisfying down the line so I think that's where I am with this Genesis play and sort of with writing in general of trying to eke out the time to find the ideas that I don't quite understand or I'm still trying to get my head around that reminds me of that Mike Bartlett thing where he was saying you know at the heart of every play is a question that the writer doesn't really Mm. know the answer to and I know James Grain has said some like similar stuff about I write about what keeps me up at night and what you know I just can't sort of work out in my head is that what you mean Sammy in terms of like I, I don't know yeah that there's something I can't figure out about it like a problem that yes 
thematically it's normally that as a question or something yeah something I, I don't feel like I have a good answer to and then I think also like formally of what's the kind of shape of the play or like if I feel like I can picture the opening scene of oh it's these two characters having a chat and then it goes on to this and then this I like being confused by what the form of it could be or like being like oh it's a challenge to figure out what the form of this is so it's sort of a bit of both I suppose they also end up being tied together but somehow it all ties together but I never quite can put my finger on it at the early stage yeah that does seem like one of the things that I think has come out of the workshops I think I've sort of always been aware but I think some of the workshops clarified it this sort of connection between like finding what you want to say and which I guess is the big central question or what the play's about and then the form to tell it with and how those two things interrelate and it's a difficult thing to find how to bring those two things together you know in a way that really gives that to an audience theatrically but I've really enjoyed reading your play in its drafts so far Sammy and I think you are being really ambitious in in terms of both the kind of question that you're asking and and also the kind of form in which you're telling it and you know it's you have such a original voice and, and way of looking at the world I think as well that's really exciting been really interesting talking to you and and obviously you know you've done the kind of master classes part of the program and we're now on the sort of writing the plays and and talking through drafts and still sort of you know you have resource to kind of do workshops and to do readings with actors going forward and I think it's nice one thing that I'm hoping for the Genesis programs uh, is that the kind of peer group that develops between the seven of you connects also with the new group that's joining and that you're able to kind of pass on, I guess, what you've learned and, and where you are in your writing with the next group that are coming up. And obviously we're all talking about your plays. And it's just so exciting because before the Genesis programme, I just did not have the commissioning resource to, you know, there were, I was going to see all of this great work in often in smaller spaces or you know seeing readings and sort of feeling frustrated that I couldn't you know take those forwards and commission them for shows because I just didn't have the the resource to do that and it's so exciting now to be working with all these writers that I'm really excited about and and on plays that are really exciting and and that we're looking forward to you know seeing on the Almeida stage in in seasons going forward so yeah I think that's um it's been lovely to speak to you all And if you want to learn more about the Genesis Almeida New Playwrights Big Plays programme, just head to almeida.co.uk. And for information about the Genesis Foundation, visit genesisfoundation.org.uk. To listen to more podcasts in the Genesis Foundation's Artistic Minds series, do subscribe and consider leaving Artistic Minds a review. And look out for another Artistic Minds podcast very soon.